Larry doesn't have a sense of humor. Hello and welcome to episode number 148 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, April 2nd, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm drinking hot coffee and tracking Cordano. And from America's left coast, where it's been two years and I'm still as grumpy as the day we started. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, stop getting into your car that wants to kill you. Oh, that did. It's a it, the car's almost as old as I am. It, it's crotchety. It's a 2001 Buick, which was fantastic at the time. Really comfy, nice leather seats, seated heat, heat uh, heated seats. Right, the seated and heat. seated heat. And uh, every single time that I decide to go sleep in it, I tweak my back. So maybe I shouldn't be doing that. I mean, you would think after you sit in a chair long enough, it should be molded perfectly to your the contour of your body. No, no. The way this works is that my body molds to the contour of the chair. Oh, it's kind of like my body is currently molding to the contour of this cat. So anyway, uh, it's been two years. Uh, We uh, well are depending on how you count. uh, We recorded our first Grumpy Old Ben's two years ago yesterday. We released it two years ago in about a week. But uh, as is my way, I always prefer to celebrate on April 1st. So um, I guess. I guess my question is, um, do you want to let me in on the joke yet? I mean, you keep <laughs> leading me on. They making me think I'm a real podcaster here. When is the uh, mat going to be pulled out from underneath? Is that the, is that still the question? Yeah, pretty much like, uh, ha ha April fools. You're not really a podcaster. I'm like I keep waiting the April fools joke that lasts two years. Plus I really promised to, to laugh and pretend I was surprised. It's the long game. I mean, you have to have the patience to be involved with the long game. And we've gotten a lot of people to come along with the ruse and pretend that they're listening and pretend to donate to the point where they actually donate, because that's how into they're they're that committed to the act. Yes, they're that committed to the bit. And that's why it works. That is why it works. You got me fooled. But we're celebrating, I mean, all week into next week. The official two-year anniversary, which is the first time the show appeared either in an RSS feed or on the stream, is on April 12th, which is when everybody first heard Grumpy Old Benz. Yeah, we recorded a little bit earlier. So, you know, we have that special well, anniversary. Well, ba- back then, it took that much editing just to remove all of my ums and uhs. And uh, if I recall, the first show I uh, recorded on a laptop bezel mic. And it's like, this sounds like garbage here. Get a different mic. But we also were doing things like shifting the overlap, because when you record on multi-track, you can do that. So if there was any, I mean, we thought at that point, maybe we were going to be a polite podcast that waited for the other person to stop speaking before interrupting. Yeah, that went out the window <laughs> by episode five or three. Yeah. I don't know. Two. Yeah, two. Correct. We got Larry on and 
I'm like, the first time I'd ever spoken with Larry in my life, and I'm just interrupting him all over the place. <laughs> and Larry will be and he's with so us. damn polite. Yes. And he's coming back for the two year anniversary of that show. So that will be on April 12th. I was on Hog Story last night and they were talking about how much they love Larry, who does that Larry show dot com. And they're like, well, you know, we, we'd love to have him on the show, but we think he's in a, you know, in a different lane. I don't know if he, they, he would do this show. And I'm like, Larry would totally do your show. Larry, yeah, Larry. Is a, he's a good guy. I, he's he's a great guy. He's way too polite to turn down even the most pathetic podcast. <laughs> so, yes, even uh, Rare Encounter then could probably get Larry on. Well, let's not be crazy. Yeah, that's true. He does have some kind of standards. But in our celebration week coming up, so the two-year birthday of the podcast is April 12th. My actual birthday is April 8th. So the plans for... So you're going to be 39 again, right? Exactly. That just... Yeah. It's, in in perpetuity but the plan is if all goes well not to do a live show on friday april 9th but instead for us to be doing a live show on april 8th the day before uh my birthday probably about two hours later than normal live on the stream after the pre-recorded no agenda best of whichever one they're running runs yeah, first time in the history of the stream where uh, a live show is going to be subject to waiting on a pre-recorded show. Well, there is a hierarchy of the shows. It, it is, yeah, it is still no agenda. But the payoff will be: we will be joined by the great, legendary John C. Dvorak, who was all for bumping the no agenda. So he was all for bumping himself. Yeah. But well, can uh, you blame him? He's he's used to being on microphone at that time of day. Yes. I, yeah. I can't blame him. I think. Yeah. And by the way, woo. Sorry. It, uh, it, Dvorak is he the one time that I met him at a meetup, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Uh I mean, you know, he comes across as a, a you know, cranky old tech guy. And uh and that's pretty much exactly what he is, but he's a really, really nice guy in person. So I was really happy to we have Adam. questions, and we hope John C. Dvorak has answers. And since he mentioned it on No Agenda yesterday, I believe he will actually show up and not just uh, and not just ghost us. So that'll be a yeah, a beautiful. But will thing. he be there for the full CSB mandated hour? I'm like CSB, of course. An hour is nothing. <laughs> the guy does three and a half hour shows with regularity. One hour. But do you think? Do you think we'll be able to stick around for an hour? Maybe. Maybe not. It depends. We can just. I mean, uh, it, it, and it takes an hour for us to get through our introduction. Some shows. Right. And there, like I said, we have plenty of questions and we want to talk about the fun stuff with Dvorak and pick his brain a little bit uh, when it comes to things like how media has changed, because it's a rarity that you get to talk to somebody that was so much involved with the print medium who has then moved into podcasting just to see how. The world has changed in that time and how news is sent out around the world and how people believe or what they don't believe and depending on the sources. And he's a guy that has a lot of experience and he knows what's going on. He has an amazing perspective. Uh, The 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 Internet age, uh, things, technologies, procedures, the way things work. Uh, change at a rate faster than any time in human history. And we are watching on the order of one generation 
everything to change from uh, print media to uh, you know radio waves to etc. And uh, he has been around and paying attention long enough to have watched the entire thing, which gives him an amazing perspective. And and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to try to beat that out of him. Yeah, because there are only a handful of podcasts. I mean, I'm guessing what maybe somewhere a hundred to a thousand somewhere the number of podcasts where the hosts are making a good time full-time living just off the show is still a big rarity there's yeah it's well it's mostly celebrities right yeah you know how 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 do you make a small fortune in podcasting start with a big start with a large one yeah and like uh certainly mofo points out in the troll room which is where you want to be when we do these shows live, noagendastream.com, Mondays and Fridays normally at noon Eastern time, says this then will be connected to Leo. So what will this help? If we have John C. Dvorak on, uh, you know, help? on second thought, maybe we shouldn't have him. <laughs> I would love an invite onto this week in tech, if only because I know there's still thousands of people You're watching that show who have for that never market. heard of our show. I... I pulled up uh, a, a, I found a, a config file in an old backup folder I was poking around in and I pulled up uh, and it had, among other things, configuration for my podcatcher back then, which my podcatcher was a, a custom script that just down checked and downloaded RSS feed. So honestly, not much different from today. And I was looking at what, did, what was I subscribed to at the time? And uh, at the top of the list was This Week in Tech, because it was the big tech show. Um, also on the list, I had a couple other Twitch shows, including Windows Weekly. Um, I had Cranky Geeks. I had the Major Nelson Radio, uh, which I, I don't know if anybody re- even remembers or knows what that was, but it was uh, uh, kind of an Xbox themed podcast from one of the directors in the Xbox group. And it was actually pretty good for gaming. I mean, I hear Major Nelson and I'm just thinking I dream of Genie. So maybe that's exactly where he got his Xbox handle. And then being his Xbox handle, he suddenly had to go with it. He was he was I don't know if he's still there because, of course, I don't listen anymore. But I I don't know. I I posted the list in No Agenda Social and I got a bunch of other old timers going. Yeah, I listen to some of those shows. I'm like, well, of course, they were the only podcast in existence back then. Yeah, And this week in tech at the time was great. I remember the first episode of that show. I was on. I think it came out right about the time we were going down to Florida and I downloaded it and was listening to it on the plane. And I believe it was Kevin Rose and Patrick Norton and Leo and uh I don't remember the fourth, but I believe those three and somebody else were on that show. And it was a good yeah, show. Good times. Yeah. I I mean, it was also like, you know, nowadays there's what, what according to podcast index, there's something like 1.6 million podcasts or oh, yeah. something like Lots that. Lots of podcasts. And back then there were like, if you were really, really generous, there may be 1.6 thousand. Right. And that's, so, well, if you want to go by the, the ones that are being updated regularly, that's still a fairly manageable number it's tough to listen to all of them right well yeah may or may not have tried (laughs) you can only listen to one at a time well no i guess that's not true you could listen to more i just don't know i can listen to as many as i want i just won't be able to make any sense of it although that was some of these shows shows published (laughs) in the last three days seventy-eight thousand in the last 10 days 195,000. so shows that are about weekly about um, close to two hundred thousand. 
Yeah, well, which is, I mean, a lot less than the 1.6 million, but yeah, I mean, it's tough to listen to all of them. We're we're not hurting for choice. Total shows in the podcast index, 2,134,439. So before we turn into a stats reading show, how one would of, you like to? One of those is yeah. Maps with Matt. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not one of them that's been updated in the last 60 would, days. Would you like an update on Scopex? I would. That's a great mouthwash, Scopex. It is. It also stands for the Stratospheric Controlled Perturbation Experiment, which is being done by the Bureau, uh, the Harvard Geoengineering Study Group. Um, if you go to uh, if you go to their page, um, they have uh, listed, uh, in fact, dead center amongst a list of uh, eighteen. Con, uh, private contributors on their page is the only one I recognized was Bill Gates, Ooh. which is of course how every single story talks about it because what these people are studying is uh, let's put a bunch of chalk dust into the upper atmosphere in order to block the sun's rays in order to stop climate change. Well, no, well, they, okay. You can say climate change, but if you're putting something to block the sun's rays, it is to cool the planet because they're still on this concept. Well, that this is global warming and it's not that that's also a point of contention, by the way, um, the the solar radiation that comes in is mostly uh, ultraviolet and the, the infrared, the part that that translates directly to heat. I mean, there's a lot of it because it's the sun, but it's not the bulk of it. The bulk of it is is higher frequency stuff like ultraviolet, which uh, infrared. And uh, to a lesser extent, visible light are blocked by this chalk dust. But UV is at a wavelength that it really doesn't even notice. So um, there is a, a counter argument that says that the the high energy, uh, you know, I, I, are you familiar with the concept of black body radiation? This is a little bit of physics. Uh, I don't think so. What is it? Where the the frequency of light emitted by a hot object is proportional, directly proportional to its temperature. And the sun is very, very, very hot and therefore emits a large number of high frequency, uh, you know, ultraviolet and higher, like, you know, X-rays and stuff. The, the, the really dangerous stuff like the gamma rays tend to be blocked by the Van Allen belts and radiation fields and stuff. But um, the stuff that gets through and pretty much goes straight to the earth is uh, the higher, the higher intensity stuff. You know, the ozone layer blocks a lot of UV, which is probably our best bet, but visible particles in the atmosphere really only block the lower intensity rays. Now, I just said the sun is very, very hot and therefore emits high rate, high frequency stuff. When it then comes back out of the planet, the planet is not nearly as warm. So it emits mostly lower level like radio, but those don't have a lot of energy in them. But infrared stuff like that. The thing is, when you put visible particles into the atmosphere, they're going to block more infrared than UV. And so it's not really blocking that much coming into the earth. It's blocking what's bouncing back. And that, by the way, is also how the greenhouse effect works. Good when you use water vapor instead of chalk particles, because water vapor is fantastically good at bouncing infrared, but doesn't really do much uh, against things like UV. So Venus, which has an atmosphere 30 miles thick and it's all pure clouds, um, 
it absorbs all the high intensity radiation from the sun and then all the low intensity radiation that bounces back and on any normal planet planet in equilibrium would go out into space is instead kept on by this layer that blocks only the low frequency stuff. Don't and, you love it when mankind thinks they can do better than nature? So I, I don't have a lot of backing behind this other than a physics education, which frankly puts me ahead of Bill most Gates. of the people <laughs> yeah, quite by. Well, I have a college degree, which puts me ahead of Bill Gates. But, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And, and I, I haven't read the paper on this, uh, this Scotex or no Scopex. Um, so maybe they've accounted for that. But my first thought is you put particles that block IR, you're going to block a little bit of radiation coming in and a lot of radiation going out and you are increasing the greenhouse effect. That's exactly what putting extra particles in the air is doing is making the low intensity stuff bounce back to earth. And he told, I, I don't understand why that anyway. Okay. That was a total diversion from, from the story. But, um, what I really thought was interesting was I went ahead and, and looked at the page from the Harvard solar engineer geoengineering program. Um, because I wanted to see, you know, what else, what, what exactly are they trying to do here? Um, and, and they say they're trying to fight climate change, whatever the hell that means. Right. Well, maybe the climate is getting colder and they're trying to fight that. I'm not sure, but, um, let's see. We are concerned that the fossil fuel companies and other interests will seek to exploit solar geoengineering as a pretext for delaying reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. We do not want donors who are or could reasonably construed as being motivated to support geoengineering research to protect fossil fuel industries. So they are screening out people they accept money from. They do not want to accept money from anybody who has an interest in fossil fuels because they don't want to encourage anyone to use this project to fix climate change so they can continue using geoengineering, using fossil fuels. Is, it, is this not the most woke thing you've ever heard? Well, yeah, because just if I'm wrong here, feel free to correct me. But isn't the alleged problem with things like gas powered vehicles is the emissions they put out contribute to the greenhouse effect? That theoretically, yes. So they're doing something to fix that by making the greenhouse effect but, more prevalent. But they don't want to allow people they they don't want so what I'm hearing from this is they do not want to fix a problem so that we their end goal is not for the problem to be solved. Their end goal is they want society to be forced to change. And that's right. why they, they, they are not willing to let their project be used to allow us to continue existing as we have. It, it, right. They, these people are not scientists. And, and in case you think that the end goal of climatards is to stop global warming or whatever, you know, to, to make the earth a better place to live. This page alone, the quote that I just read you proves that these are activists. Their goal is not to make the earth a better place for all humans. Their goal is literally to force people to change the way they exist. And if, if you're, you know, if you can solve the problem without forcing people to completely destroy our way of life and then build back better, that's not good enough. Right. It's the gun problem all over again. Or repeating because the gun problem is exactly the same. Anytime you point to, well, you know, we should have a harsher penalties for gun crime. No, we can't have that. 
well, we should have the death penalty for gun crimes. No, we can't have that. We just need to get rid of guns. Well, no, we need to have mental health. You know, we should look into that. That's the problem. No, we yeah. got to get rid of guns. Well, no, see, they're not really about fixing the problem with gun crime. If they were, they'd be here in Chicago and in Baltimore. Yeah, it, it, they're, they, when you speak with activists and ideologues, they can say, oh, we've got this problem. We have to solve it. But that's not what they want, because when you provide alternatives that would also solve the problem, they want to hear none of it. What they're really trying to do is we want to exercise control over other humans. Right. And one of the things pointed out, like, and I don't have I'm just guessing on these stats, but for every hundred thousand legal uh, law abiding gun owners, there's one person that uses guns illegally. So the guns are the problem. And that person might work for the government. <laughs> they may. But the guns are the problem, not the people. See, that's right. where the breakdown starts coming. No, it, it, it you mark my words. Guns don't kill people. Government kills people. That's deep. Uh, well, that's socialism in a nutshell. And it's coming. Um, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, so, whoop. yeah, uh, the the Scopex project actually has a they, they describe on their donation page. And I read about this. They they have a rating scale for each donor's, quote, commitment to climate and their, quote, ties to fossil fuels. And they rate each one on a scale of one to five, multiply the two numbers together. And if it's above a certain threshold, then they will not take that person's money. We have That's, no such threshold here on Grumpy Old Ben's. Just want to put no. that out there. So why is this news? Uh, you know, we were talking about we we brought this up a couple times on Grumpy Old Ben's before. Like, you know, Bill Gates is literally a Bond villain for trying this because this <laughs> is this is of the audacity level of of you know Christopher Walken trying to uh, flood the San Andreas Fault in order to sink Silicon Valley, which would have worked if it hadn't been in fiction, but. Um, you know, and, and also James Bond stopped at that bastard. But uh, what they were trying to do uh, coming up this summer was they wanted to start a relatively small experiment uh, to inject only a few metric tons of chalk dust into the ap- hyper atmosphere above northern Sweden, where uh, it's easier. You know, the, the sun's rays go through more atmosphere and they're dimmer, which makes it easier to measure. And they wanted to find out. What would be the effect on the visible sunlight and the sunlight reaching the earth of putting this through? Because, I mean, with at least they're doing science. This this qualifies as an experiment. Let's go try something and see what happens. Uh, I don't think that they necessarily did the the lead up work and thought through the entire thing. But they're activists. What can you expect? Um, what made it news is the Swedish Space Corporation, which is actually it says corporation, but it's their their official government space agency has called off the experiment they said actually this this might not be the best idea right now and so we're not going to go forward with it so go sweden um and harvard has already announced backup plans to move it to somewhere in the midwest or uh northern canada oh yay so uh this could still be coming it just seems like a really really bad idea but you're right bill gates uh, you can't write bill gates as a bond villain and have people believe it when you look at his record for eugenics and the stuff he's been doing with the vaccines long before covid talking about you know needing to control the population you have to worry when you put people like that in charge of things like we're gonna put a bunch of stuff in the upper atmosphere 
because that's eventually going to come down into the air you breathe. That's not a good idea. well, there's so much crap in the air we breathe that uh, I'm I'm not near. It's also uh, it, what they're putting up is calcium carbonate, which is chalk dust. Uh, the only concern that I had about calcium carbonate is that its pH level is significantly higher than the base atmosphere, which means uh, uh, if we have acid rain, it'll help neutralize that. And if we don't have acid rain, then you're going to end up uh, you know, getting rained on and having your skin slough off like you drank a <laughs> glass of baking soda or something. Now, they're not putting up enough calcium carbonate for that, but the pH is high on calcium carbonate. Uh, and that's why, for example, um, uh, antacids are made of calcium carbonate. They're like when you eat the, the chalk flavored antacids, that's what they're doing is they so I don't know if they've necessarily thought of that. I have to think that there's got to be a scientist somewhere in the project who's considered that and gone. Yeah, it's OK to change the pH of the upper atmosphere. What's the worst that could happen? But at the same time, I, I just put it, putting a bunch of particles that block IR into the upper atmosphere. Um, it, it just, like I said, it's well understood. You know, when, when the earth is in balance, radiation is coming in, radiation is going out, but the radiation that comes in is higher frequency from the sun. The radiation that goes out is lower frequency black body and the, stuff they're putting in the atmosphere is going to block the lower frequency, which means it's actually going to result in more heat on earth. That bothers me a little bit. Well, yeah, because they're telling us the problem is heat, all the ice melting, you know, and this is the water all rising because as ice melts, then there's more water and the water levels go up allegedly. So this seems to be uh, either they're complete morons or they're intentionally trying to screw things up, and I'm going to start going I, for the latter. I, I can't. I, I they, these people are have lived in academia for a long time. I can't believe that they're complete morons. There, it's too difficult to spend that much time around that much knowledge and still remain ignorant. But you're right. The only alternative is that they're actually evil people in charge of some of this shit. Well, it's to nudge you. Which is how so much of this stuff is that the people who don't believe and you're seeing a lot of this and I don't even care which side of the COVID thing you're on or the COVID vaccine thing you're on. You can see the war going on in all media for the people for it and against it. And the reality is finding the actual truth of the matter is quite hard. Oh, we left the truth back in the 90s. It seems that way because the media is refusing to ask any of the hard questions, which is the only reason Joe Biden is still standing. It would appear now they they blew all their hard questions on Trump. (laughs) Well, that was not even journalism. Uh, That that, was uh, that's not even true. They weren't asking hard questions. They were just calling him names. Yes. And saying and while reporting things that aren't true. Or going with a lot of these stories, which continue to have a source familiar with and, the and matter. I, I just want to say, by the way, if, if I'm, I, I'm, I was speculating based on a, a rudimentary college level physics education. Uh, I, I am, I've not dedicated my life to physics and therefore I don't have any real credentials that, that, you know, the people who, who live their lives in an appeal to authority fallacy would, would really. So don't take my word for it per se. Uh, if there is anybody out there who wants to educate us, 
and explain why putting all these dust particles into the other atmosphere is not going to cause more climate change and more greenhouse effect. Um, please let us know, uh, Ryan at grumpy or just hit us up on no agenda social, because if, if somebody out there has studied a lot more atmospheric physics than I have, I'd, I'd like to learn more about this. I'd like to believe that people at Harvard are that Harvard climate science geoengineering program is not being run by a bunch of bond minions, but, well, it's hard, but it's meant to cause climate change. And to me, that is where well, that's the what issue it seems like. In. I'm just saying if, if you know, there there have been lots of accusations in the past where we don't get something or we're wrong about something. And and well, I maintain that I'm right about everything I say. Uh, not everybody believes it. And if you don't believe it, I'd like to hear your argument. But the concept here, they're being quite out front that they want this to change the climate. They're just playing this as it's a fix to what mankind has done and that's a load of crap i'm all for cutting down on pollution because that seems like a very simple thing nobody wants to breathe air that has a bunch of crap in it chemicals in it any kind of uh thing that shouldn't be in the air so i mean i get that we want to have clean air we want to have clean water now Stopping people from polluting is a completely different game from, well, we can change the atmosphere ourselves by putting more crap into it that normally isn't there. And that is where I start having a real you know, issue. Come to think of it, putting a bunch of particles into the atmosphere. Isn't that what coal plants do? And isn't yes. that theoretically bad? Yes. What am I missing here? Well, that's what I said. Even driving your gas powered vehicle. Well, the problem with that is it's uh, the emissions are getting into the yeah, atmosphere and causing more of a greenhouse effect. Yeah, you're, you're causing pollution and that's causing climate change. So the fix is that we're going to add more pollution to the atmosphere. Yes. Like, what? <laughs> that's why it doesn't. I mean, that's the total disconnect. And if we're like you said, if we're wrong. Feel free to reach out and tell us why, but that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm all for keeping companies from polluting the atmosphere where possible, but I'm also a realist that understands, unlike the Democrat folk who want to be a part of things like the Paris Climate Accord, that the nice folks in India and China and places like that, they're not complying. Yeah, well, they're no, of course they're complying because the the outline in Paris was that only fully industrialized countries have any sanctions on them. And at the time, China and India managed to convince the uh, assembled masses that uh, they're not fully industrialized. And, and this is true. There are places in China and places in India which do not have what the West would consider to be, you know, full levels of sanitation and industrialization. Now, um, what that means, because China is a very, very big place, is that because there are places in Western China where they're still peeing in a pot and dumping it in the local river, that means that in Beijing and Shanghai, they can pee Pollute. in the local river and dump a bunch of crap in the atmosphere because the Paris Accords don't have any teeth when it comes to India and China. They are only there to shackle United States and Europe and, and places like well, they have no teeth here, except that we give them the teeth. Well, which they, is they the, yeah, they had no teeth when, when the president looked at this and when it's bullshit. Yeah. Trump was absolutely right about that. I, I can't say he was right about everything, but he was absolutely correct that being a part of that is insanity 
for the United States. This is really just another way to virtue signal and bow down to the rest of the world who is just taking advantage of the United States. But that is the plan. And besides, Biden is Biden is already issuing executive orders left and right to curb our freedoms and generally uh, destroy the economy in the name of whatever wokest climate change rhetoric he has. It, you know, the beautiful part is that Biden has finally figured out that he can. Well, I, I don't think it's Biden. I don't think Biden knows how to tie his shoelaces at this point. But but whatever DNC puppets are behind Biden have figured out that they don't even need Congress anymore. They can just use executive orders left and right. And and by royal decree, the world will change to their agenda. Well, Joe's a, a very busy guy. Yeah, he's I mean, he's spending his entire day uh, counting the dots in the ceiling and occasionally signing things they put in front of him. And I heard you talking politics over there on Chris slash Sir Seatsitter show. The abs in a six pack show. Oh, yeah. That was the one where I, I told them that we don't talk politics on this show. And then the very next show, <laughs> we spent a half hour talking politics. Well, because sometimes it's fun. But I did enjoy, my favorite part of that show. Not that the rest of the show was not engaging. Your your favorite part of the show was where it ended. Yes. Well, the way you ended the show oh. as, as the guest. I mean, this was I mean, this was a very Bemrose thing to do because you could kind of tell you were getting a little tired you had kind of been talked out which is rare for you but you know they record a little bit later than we do so that was a nighttime thing i believe i I was also i was also three ipas in and these things were not weak and i was a little drunk but it was the best line i've heard from a guest in a podcast ever that was nice but it was also quite effective in the other direction because we, we I, call this a hint. I believe, yes, it was such a nice hint. I believe your exact quote was, so uh, how do you normally end these shows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that was that was genius. And he's like, well, yeah, we still have another 10 minutes or so. But you didn't even make it to 10 minutes. You, you derailed Chris. You got him off this game. But he had, of course, he had clips to play. But I mean, otherwise, well, I mean, seriously, Noah had disconnected by that point. Right. When your co when your co-hosts just disappear mid show, you know that maybe it's time to call it in. I mean, I we, we haven't tried that here yet. Just if anybody just disconnects during the show and then like, oh, does do we did we continue? I don't know. Where did he uh, go? I, I mean, that did happen. What was it? Number 128. It was a special show, though. Yes, you can the still 128 find it. Rage Quit special. Yes, you can still find that on No Agenda. Well, you probably can't on No Agenda Social anymore because eventually those links get deleted, but it still oh, yeah. exists. It's still on the server. And when, when they start banning people left and right. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, But it's hard not to talk about some of the politics. We try to fold it in with the tech, like Breitbart had a story today or yesterday which they claim is an exclusive, which I believe because nobody else wants to report on this, was big tech employees donated X amount of times more to Democrats than Republicans. If you haven't seen the story, do you want to guess how many times more the Democrats get money from big tech employees? I would venture it's probably between it's like six to 10 times more often. 12 times more. Wow. Is donated. So that's that's huge. I mean, I'm not a math major, but 
but I have lived in that corporate environment. And yes, trust me, if you are a conservative, you keep your fucking head down. The concept that big tech is non-biased or don't have a dog in this game is 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 a laughable at this point. And we've yeah. talked about many of the problems. Well, you don't need polls year. of their employees to you just look at what the companies are doing publicly. Like the company, it's Google itself was one of the top four donors to the DNC for the 2020 election, not Google employees or Google executives. The company, the corporation, Google itself was one of the top donors. And, yeah. And, and you wonder why the, uh, you wonder why the results you get on those kind of sites and the stories you see on Facebook, you wonder why. And you think, no, they're not, they're not messing with that kind of stuff. It's like, it's, it's insane when you see how far it is to one side. And this really is the biggest problem that we're facing. I believe as a society, we've talked about it a lot over the last two years is what do you do when all of the social media sites people use and a lot of the big sites on the internet and a lot of the major companies are swinging that far in one direction. Well, if they, if they don't, if they're not acting on it, if you know, I, I am perfectly fine interacting with and, and working with people who are politically opposed to me as long as they behave like humans. But the moment that they behave like activists, then you have to jettison that shit and, and go find somewhere else to be. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google and Microsoft and Amazon are all acting publicly. They're public face of the corporation. They're acting like leftist activists. And the result is you, I mean, what the, if you want to solve this at all, the solution is we have to jettison these companies. And unfortunately, they have enough money to make a hell of a lot of noise for a decade or two to come, even if everybody left. But that's what has to happen. That's the right solution. Now, the wrong solution, which is the kind of thing that big government proponents would recommend is, oh, well, we have to get the government in to come and tell them and force them to do something, which always has terrible consequences and never works correctly. Maybe that happens anyway. Well, you look at what's going on in Georgia, which is the state, which obviously isn't totally Republican because we saw what happened in Georgia in the presidential election. It, it was, in fact, widely considered to be a swing state. And and but for the uh, actions of one highly, highly corrupt uh, secretary of state probably would have gone all Republican in the 2020 election, which is why there's a lot of the politicians in Georgia who have passed a new law, which is trying to keep this kind of shenanigans, shall we say, from coming back to Georgia and in future elections. And Biden keeps lying about it, which Biden lies. Well, I understand all politicians There's gambling lie. going on here. You know, I understand all politicians lie, but usually they lie about things that aren't immediately provable that they're lying. And Biden's doubling down on this, which is which is unbelievable that the media doesn't call him on it when he says things like it's, it's short. not the that time unbelievable that people. Well, it is. It is because anybody that wants to open up a web browser 
and read the law directly can see that Joe Biden and everybody in the media is lying to them. You know, I told I, you the story about Jeremy Piven when he like, ah, Rush lied about everything. Well, show me where. Well, and this is a case where I can show you exactly where they're lying. And it's proven. No, no, no. I've got I've got a, I can go. I bet I can spend two minutes and go find a link from Snopes, which tells you you're wrong. <laughs> Snopes lies. Go to the uh, no. The uh, the beautiful thing about Snopes is all the, the these days is all the stories where it's like yeah they'll they'll have some claim that that makes uh, a, a Democrat look bad and they'll be like uh, well actually this part is true and this part over here is true and this small part here is true and technically they did do this thing and they, yes they technically got his it's corrupt wrong <laughs> but but yeah but the person was not. Uh, present for one of seven committee meetings and therefore uh, actually it's all false wait what <laughs> yeah that doesn't make any sense that's a, that's that's the way the fact checkers believe is every single piece is true so yeah all false the what what part of the law in georgia is if you want to do a mail-in ballot and i don't even understand how any reasonable thinking democrat if there is such a thing would not understand that mail-in ballots are more apt to be fraudulent. So having an extra step. Because when when your political goals require that you don't understand it, it's very difficult to understand something. When you need to cheat is what you're saying. Then this is why you don't understand it. If if your political power depends on cheating based on mail-in ballots, then mail-in ballots, you, you, you lose your political power if anybody ever doubts it. And therefore it is the most secure thing in the world. Um, you know, we, we're going to need a passport to prove who we are and show our medical records in order to get in a concert or on a fucking train pretty soon. Yes. But it's totally secure to vote without even bothering to show ID. What? Yeah. That, that's the thing that doesn't make sense. Cause the people that are pushing for the vaccine passport, are the ones saying it's, oh, it's horrible to force people to have an ID to vote. Well, you're going to need an ID to have a vaccine passport. You need an ID. This isn't for just ID. This lot. doesn't just prove who you are. Right. This is this is show your personal health records to a random idiot checking tickets on a train. And we're being reminded now that ordering fake ones of those documentations are illegal because I'm it's, sure that's okay. going to be happening. Uh, you, you know what else is illegal? Violating the Constitution. Biden, you go to jail first, and then I'll go ahead and face some consequences for forging this bullshit. The Coca-Cola CEO says the Georgia laws are racist, a step backwards, and I'm betting the Coca-Cola CEO is racist and, and unacceptable. Well, as Breitbart points out, or uh, this is maybe breaking 911 on Twitter points out, Coca-Cola requires photo ID to be shown in order to gain admission to their annual shareholder meeting. I mean, how racist can you be? Oh, my God. I know. Oh, well, actually, you just just subscribing to critical race theory requires a minimum amount of racism already. So I it, it makes sense. I mean, how racist can you be exactly that much? But these virtue signaling <laughs> douchebag companies, it's like, don't you realize that what really disenfranchises voters are when the fix is in, when cheating actually happens? So there's nothing you can do that tries to make sure you have a fair and accurate vote count that should be considered racist. This idea that black people or whoever they're talking about here, are are they too stupid? 
to understand how to get an ID? Because most of these places, states now, will give you an ID for free if you can't afford one. So this isn't a thing of cost. This is just, I mean, are you too stupid? If you're able to register to vote and you're able to get your ballot and you're able to send it in, which part of you then is too stupid to get an ID? And and as as Mo from Mo Facts with Adam Curry has pointed out, um, the it, it, claiming that uh, blacks don't know how to get an ID is as as wrong as it is uh, disingenuous. It, I mean, well, first of all, it's super insulting. Like, yes. okay, you think that just because you have a dark skin color means you're too stupid to figure out how to get an ID? Yes. But it, he also it's it's also fucking flat wrong. And what he points out, and something that that I guess as a denizen of Chicago, you might know too. And that is that um, you don't go around any community in somewhere that is as locked down a police state as Chicago and not always have ID on there with you because the 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 rumors of, uh, well, you know, you could get pulled over for driving while black, uh, whether or not that's true. I'm betting there's enough facts to back up that you just don't want to go around without an ID. So if you don't want to get harassed by cops or you know have a, a a routine stop and frisk turn into a trip downtown fuck yeah you carry id yeah so that that whole argument has never made sense uh one of the other companies that's really woke against this law is delta airlines in his breitbart points out so yeah if you're black try to get on a flight on delta without showing your id see how see how they uh <laughs> see how they react to that He's tried to get through TSA I, without an ID. I, I don't even. I, I I trust me. I've I've made the cursory attempt, and uh, you know, believe it or not, even with all of the white privilege I was capable of mustering, they still really, really, really wanted to see my ID before they'd let me go down that concourse. And somehow people all find the IDs. Then I don't I don't know how that happens because obviously it's too hard to get them when it comes to voting. But that's where the country has. The problem with race is being amplified by things that make no logical sense. They're amplified by things like the George Floyd case, which is now the trials going on. And it's interesting to me just from a couple of different aspects. And they, they did they select 12 impartial jurors from the Antifa ranks? Probably. And, and three alternates, I believe, was the, the number. I would not want to be a part of that jury. No, no, I've had jury duty a few times in the past, and I just like I just hope this isn't a high profile case. Oh, yeah, (laughs) right. Because, you know what happens? This is the highest of profile. Stick you in a fucking hotel and don't let you leave for a month at a time. Well, you can't tell me that the jurors aren't under massive amounts of pressure. And they can't let you have a TV or social media because you might be swayed by the people reporting or whatever well and i think they understand when you watch what's going on in cancel culture because people say the wrong thing what do you think's going to happen to those 12 jurors you really think if you're one of those jurors is it not on your mind that if you acquit this cop that your information is not going to be leaked and people are not going to hunt you down and kill you because that's exactly well, what I would think would happen if I was a juror. In in theory, the way it's supposed to work is that if you choose to be anonymous as a member of the jury, then everybody who was in the courtroom is duty bound to keep that anonymity. And if they leak it, then they're in contempt of court. But 
this is is Minneapolis, which is a leftist shithole, and I would not a, a, I would not put stake my life on nobody in that court wanting to leak it, or or yeah, and 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 the idea of oh well, you know they deserved it because they're uh, you know dirty right wing. Uh, I don't know it. Uh, everything about the, the the justice system is compromised. Oh I, yeah, there's a big problem with the justice system. In this case, though, this in part, in case in particular, there were a couple of things that came out which I thought was interesting tidbits. One from George Floyd. I don't know if she was his girlfriend at the time or recently ex-girlfriend talking about his addiction. We have no problem understanding that. But her his nickname for her was Mama. So all of this that he was crying out for his oh. mother. Hello, Oedipus. Yeah. But this is a this, this changes the story a little bit when you realize that makes was, it a lot creepier. Yeah, well, it does. But it changes that story a little bit that, you know, he wasn't calling out for his mother. It appears that he was calling out for the woman he was currently dating, which so okay. what, you, what you're saying is that while the cop was kneeling on his neck, he was trying to make a booty call. Maybe. I don't know. The fact that people say and I haven't looked at the video again recently but that he was actually moving his head a little bit from side to side, which would show that there wasn't a lot of pressure on the neck. We know that the autopsy didn't show that he died due to strangulation. He died due to an overdose that was in his system, which was, I believe, fentanyl. And which leads me to the most interesting thing that came out this week, which was the the guy we haven't heard much about. The guy that was in the car with George Floyd when the police arrived, I did not know there was another person. In this car. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Because that, I mean, I remember hearing that he was with somebody, but none of it was covered after that. The guy was allegedly George Floyd's drug dealer. And the guy is pleading the fifth and will not cooperate. So I'm thinking Good there's, for a, him. there's a lot of information to be gleaned. From in the car with a drug dealer, overdosed. I think that's probably true. And this would appear to be an overdose. The other thing people don't see that just watch the social media videos that have come out on this don't see the fact that they originally took George Floyd out of his car and put him in the back of a police SUV where he was sitting by himself with the door still open, I believe where he start yelling he couldn't breathe. So this wasn't that he just started saying that when he was down on the ground. He was already saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, just sitting him in a vehicle by himself. So yeah, because the, because tightness of chest can be explained by a number of things. One of them is somebody kneeling on your windpipe, but another one might be that you fucking overdosed on PCP. Yes. And I can see that once the guy became non-responsive, this is where the cops are at fault. I don't know if this raises to third degree or whatever, but once he became non-responsive and lifeless, the help should have been there immediately, not waiting on on this to happen. But everything else, as far as placing this on one guy as an external force, it's way too hard to do if you're being honest when it comes to murder in this country it's supposed to be you need a preponderance of the evidence and 
I don't think we have that. And, I think with murder, the, the standard is reasonable doubt. Yes. And if there was also enough drugs in the man's system to kill him and the person doing the autopsy said he didn't die of strangulation, I say that's reasonable doubt. I'm not saying the cop wasn't complicit at some of this, but the, the question I have is, is anybody on the jury or anybody in the courtroom going to be reasonable? Probably not, because, again, this is where I started the question here. If you're on that jury, you know where you live. You know what's happened to other people that get outed. That would be my fear that if you're on that jury, I think you're convicting the cop no matter what to save your own ass because you live in a BLM city with uh, the police force that has been defunded because they're so woke. And who's going to protect your ass if you decide in your heart of hearts that this cop wasn't guilty? You're probably not going to vote that way. And figure, you know what? I hope somebody on the appellate level takes care of this because I don't want it to be me. So I'm definitely not up and, and I, I've tried to avoid uh, paying close attention to all the details and minutia of the case. But at least on the surface, uh, and, and if I were involved in the defense, I, I'm sure that they're going to do this. Um, this seems like a pretty clear cut case of qualified immunity. We have, you know, I, I don't like the doctrine of qualified immunity for a number of reasons, uh, not least of which it, it allows, uh, you know, very corrupt people, you know, when, when a psychopath makes it onto a police force and then goes out and just shoots people, then they can use qualified immunity as a shield to stand behind. And I don't like that per se. Um, but. The doctrine is out there, and this feels like a really clear cut case of the cop was doing their job and trying to subdue them. And therefore, uh, as a police officer in the line of duty, this feels like straight up they should get qualified immunity. And I I wonder if, you know, because the case is so political, um, if they go the other way anyway. Um, are, are, what's that going to do to the doctrine of qualified immunity? And are people going to take this and go, well, in this case, we don't protect police officers from the consequences of doing their duty. And pretty soon you're going to have, you know, that <clears throat> trying to, to impact the doctrine like that, uh, will have lots of far reaching conclusions on the one hand. Um, you know, you can say, let's abolish qualified immunity and suddenly everybody uh, who is a, a total, you know, psychopath who gets into the police force because they get to hurt people, um, you know, they might be ferreted out and, and we might get rid of them. And that's good. But at the same time, if you damage qualified immunity, then there's going to be a whole lot of police officers out there who are like, well, you know, I probably could have subdued this guy, but I don't want to get sued and fired in my job because of some political. So I'll just let him go back into the community and i think that that that's probably not the best outcome no well you so, sound you just you echoed the sentiment of the great bill o'reilly and i always like to mention him because oh, god damn it fuck hate when i do but uh he talked about that this week new york city is trying to do away with that and uh he said what you'll have is either a bunch of cops who don't want to do their job then and won't do their job for fear of being sued or you'll have a bunch of cops who just decide to leave and go to different states to be cops because, I mean, New York City, especially, that's not the place you want to just hand over to the criminal element because there's a lot. 
in New York, like as, there is as, as much as I want to take it as an insult that to be compared to Bill O'Reilly like that, he's right. Yes, <laughs> he. I mean, that is it. I mean, with anybody that it's we should take a look at the content of their character, the things that they say and do and go from there. Not everybody's perfect. People make mistakes. We've covered that quite a bit here on Grumpy Old Ben's. But the reality here is that the police force needs a certain amount to do their job. And once you remove that, you're seeing a lot of stories lately of places that had the knee jerk reaction. And maybe it was a little easier during the height of covid because people weren't going out and committing as many crimes. And it's like, hey, we can get rid of the police. We can defund the police. This money will be better used somewhere else. And they do that. And now a year later, crime is running rampant. And they're like, oh, maybe we need to get more police. We we can use this money better somewhere else, like trying to rebuild everything that's destroyed by the rampant crime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, in like, fact, we can build it back better. Oh, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe. That is uh, well, that is what they want. This is the concept. And the thing a lot of people, I think, are still oblivious to is that a part of what the Democrats, when they say build back better. What that means is we want to destroy the capital uh, capitalist system because that's just not working for the poor folks and we need to do something different. And that's something different is take all of your money and give it to somebody else. And that I'm has not sure never that would worked. be different anymore. Yeah, it, that's, it, that's that's turning into I mean, crony capitalism is only a few steps away from uh, it, it. It is. The the public image alone is what separates the crony capitalism we have now from a full blown type of socialism where we just say we're taking all of the middle and lower classes money and we're handing it to the politically connected. Well, not just the politically. Well, now what they're doing is the uh, well, if you have money, you're politically connected. I guess if you have any if you have any shekels whatsoever, they're coming after you and they want to pay off. All of these different subsets, and there's a lot of people that want this universal basic income. I have would have never believed, and I know and under, we're old. Under I would have never believed regime. this was going to be as close to what we're getting now. Uh, we were. Did you not just recently get your checks? Mine arrived two days ago. This not not check. I got another one of those stupid cards. <laughs> go go back and listen to the the episode of the previous one for all of the hoops I had to jump through. You know, if you would just give them your banking information, they would be happy to deposit that directly for. I you. have no doubt they would be happy, and then they would record it in a database. Which the next time <laughs> that they have a breach, some hacker gets my banking information and just starts siphoning my money out. And then you know somebody writes a story about it, and we'll probably complain about it on Grumpy Old Ben's and. Then then the bank will sit there and go, well, we're really sorry that you lost all your money. But here's what the the difference. uh, And here's what we're seeing, which is we went from, oh, there's a pandemic. So everybody's getting X amount of money that everybody as dumb as it is, because they don't realize where the money's coming from. The average citizen went, yay, free money. And this is now moved on after a couple of these payments. The criteria started changing which is oh if you make this amount or more you're not going to get it so now all of a sudden we're weeding out who's going to get the money and who's not and that's a totally different thing than everybody gets a cookie only certain people getting a cookie 
Now you're starting to get a little bit of a problem and you're but seeing you racist. This. That's equity. Exactly. And you're seeing this now in Chicago. You're seeing this in Oakland and you're seeing this in San Francisco where they want to pay artists. You know, if you're an don't, artist, we'll, we'll just give you a thousand dollars a month to have a living wage. Don't you want people? Don't you want starving artists to have enough to eat and pay rent and just barely get by? You're telling me that you want people who already have one car to be able to buy another one when uh, there are people starving on the streets. You shouldn't have any cars. Don't you know those are bad for the environment? That's, that's true. They they put chemicals into the air, which causes global warming or, or climate change or whatever. It's right. This is all all a big screw job. There's and no the only question. people allowed to do that should be Harvard and Bill Gates. Right. He Bill Bill knows he has a high school education. He knows what he's talking about. So um, we mentioned this was going to happen, but I don't think we really got into it. Uh, I, the, the one piece of Bitcoin news I have today Woo! is Coinbase has a date for their IPO. Um, and I just wanted to throw some numbers out because I found them disgusting and I'd like you to scoff at them as well. Um, in 2020, uh, according to the S one filing that they made in 2020, Coinbase had 1.2 billion B billion in revenue and they made $322 million in profit. Those horrible people. Yeah. I did. Apparently Bitcoin is good these days. Um, so April 14th, they are going to go public. Uh, they are going to IPO. Uh, the, the article noted that what was really weird, uh, and unusual is that they are planning on releasing their first quarter earnings report, uh, three days before the IPO. Now, normally you never want to do that because it could depress your IPO. But what that tells me is that the first quarter report for 2021 is going to be even higher than the ridiculous numbers they pulled in 2020 because if they're releasing it three days before the ipo the only reason they would do that is because they believe that it's going to cause the interest to skyrocket and i believe it will i I don't doubt it it. at least for now this is again a public service announcement that any cryptocurrencies are gambling that is all it is you can pretend to yourself that you're investing in something that makes perfect sense. And it really and, does not. And and full disclosure, because nobody on a podcast wants to get sued and nobody on a podcast wants to be construed by any government regulatory agency as somebody who's giving out stock advice uh, is that here on Grumpy Old Ben's, we have no fucking idea what we're talking about. And you should not take anything that we say as investment advice at all. Um and uh, we may or may not have Coinbase accounts, which means theoretically that we're invested in that and probably should disclose that, too. But you already know that if you visited GrumpyOldBenz.com because we have a Bitcoin wallet and have admitted on this show that Coinbase is where we keep it. Exactly. And the interesting thing with Coinbase is that I finally took my YubiKey 5 out and decided to set it up and I set it up on my Google account. That was the first thing I did just to test it out, like put it on the Gmail account and the setup was nice and easy. For those who don't know, the YubiKey 5 is a little USB device that has a little button on it. I don't think it's a fingerprint sensor. It's just a little button that can sense if your finger is there, which does a crypto magic. So when you try to log into an account, if it's a device you're trying to log in with, that hasn't been in the system before it will try to verify your identity 
rather than doing stupid things, as we've talked about in the last show or two, where you get a text message to verify your account, we've learned that method, uh, which not is good. insecure, yes. to say the least, very insecure. These are way more secure. These little USB keys. So you plug it into your USB port on your system. They also have the better ones. They have a near field communication ability, which means you can use it with your cell phone and it will verify that when you try to log on, that it's actually you. And this is technology that is nearly impossible, if not totally impossible to break without the key itself. It's or, you know, quantum computer, of course. Yes, it's way but more only secure. The NSA has those. Now, there's not much different from what these keys can do to what authenticator apps can do, although I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet because there is a Google authenticator app. And I tested that for a second, which does the same kind of thing as the well, not just Google. Anybody can implement the algorithm. It though it lets you do the same kind of authentication. So it allegedly, yeah. if you need your phone, then in order to log into whatever you're trying to log into where Coinbase yes. comes into this is I went to Coinbase because I'm like, well, this would be a good place to use the YubiKey for two-factor authentication. Bank accounts, you would think, would be right up there on the list of where you'd want to use one of these. It seems like the kind of place you would want some kind of security, yes. So I go to set up the YubiKey on the Coinbase account, and the first thing that pops up is, well, you can use the YubiKey, but then you can't use the Coinbase app on Android because it's not acceptable yet. It's not rolled in. It won't work with the keys. And I'm like, well, could, could that be? Do you think that's because something's not implemented or do you think because they don't they haven't been able to make it secure yet? It may be I mean, either the, one. of the, those. the only thing worse than not having a security step is having having something that claims to be a security step, but isn't secure. What I thought was odd. Was they said, you know, if you're using Android, I think Apple the same way. If you're using a mobile device, you cannot use their app once you set up the YubiKey, but you could still access all the same information by using a web browser on the phone. And it's like, what are you screwing with here? Whoa, whoa, okay, never mind my Uh argument about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, why? I mean, if just get your coders to do whatever has to be done or just make it a make it a shortcut to a browser that's that's fine as well just give me the information that i want this I, this feels like you know the the default state for any any feature in any piece of software the default state where it starts out is unimplemented and and it, the the feature might be just in the default state that's the most charitable interpretation here i thought it was weird so i like the idea of the yubikey i have gone down the rabbit hole of reddit which is i know one of your favorite places Oh, I'm so sorry. I know, but it was the only place that seemed to have a decent. I hope you used antiseptic afterward. I did. I mean, I got myself in a head to toe in a hazmat suit with gloves and a face shield. And I had uh, some Lysol ready just in case if I needed to spray down the keyboard or the monitor after going yeah. on to Reddit. To- total aside, I loved Adam's offhand comment the other day on No Agenda where he's like, I, I can't even. It's probably a Reddit link. I can't even click on those. I've got them blocked at the DNS. <laughs> like, Yes, not a bad idea. I don't have Reddit blocked, but I do have Twitter blocked that way. And so I'm going to go ahead and take credit for the idea, even though I know Adam probably doesn't listen to the show. But somebody's got to tell him, he's like, hey, did you know Sir Bamrose does this? Well, that way they can clip us and play us a no agenda. And they can hear our lovely voices on that show 
because people don't hear us enough on the no agenda stream. I, I think that's true. <laughs> you do. <laughs> if I could get away with it, then the stream would playlist would just be grumpy old Ben's on a loop. Oh, that would be good. Let's just do that. Grumpy yeah, old Ben's. Would, there might be a whining noise from some of the other podcasters, though. Yeah, just that wouldn't make any sense. But the concept's good. The the Coinbase thing kind of scared me. But Reddit had the only people talking about the question that I had, which is only something that people that are totally paranoid would come up with, which is, okay, I have multiple Google accounts. Maybe you have a Google account that's attached to something that you don't want to have any connection whatsoever to your normal Google identity or any other identity. But in this case, so say you have normal Google account. And then say you're running a you know black site business out of another Google account that you always log in, you know, with VPNs and do all the good stuff. And, and and make sure that you keep the naivete required to believe that Google isn't using some kind of fingerprinting to. Well, of course, they connect are. The two. Of course, they are. or they're just using enough of the little one by one pixels that can put your IP. That's the other thing. If you're ever really trying to hide your identity on something like that. Never accidentally sign in with both email addresses on the same no, IP address. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's not good enough to just sign out. You need to make sure oh, yeah. that all of your browsers is, is cleared. Use Even a then, browser. browser fingerprinting. Yeah, use a different browser. Ideally, use a different computer. Um, and and for maximum security, also be a different person. Yeah, that would help. That would help because then you don't want to be fingerprinted the same at all. But Reddit was the only place I saw a decent thread that had people that seemed like they kind of knew what they were talking about which on the internet no matter where it is that's questionable but the question was if can you use the same yubikey on two different accounts at some place like gmail or anywhere two different accounts with the same site with the same company that allows you to use a yubikey without them knowing those two are the same key and what I came to the conclusion was you certainly can do it. And it was 99.999% chance that they could never tie that together. The only place they could tie that together would be is if they were intentionally trying to do so. So if law enforcement say thought Bemrose one was connected to Bemrose two, the different accounts. Well, the next time you tried to log in with Bemrose one, they would send you the authentication from Bemrose 2 and if the key responded correctly they know those were both on the same key but that's the only way is for the company you're using the YubiKey with to try to send you a different account information to see if your key will ping back because your key doesn't know what account you're logging in with it's just looking for a match which well, means I'm it's safe but if they really if somebody had an idea that it was you and set it up they could check and find out it was the same key. I, I'm I'm pleased to know that 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 scenario has been thought of, and I'm I'm definitely pleased that it's not handing you know the the same credentials to every site. That I'm I'm glad about that. But it sounds like what you're saying is that the only time that uh, an attack uh, an identity attack like this could succeed is when it's most important that it not succeed. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I mean if you're if you're really again, if you're super paranoid and never want that connection, 
by two damn Use different YubiKeys. <laughs> yes, that's the, you know, that is the end. I mean, the, the crazy thing with the YubiKeys are if you use them and you go out and about and stuff like that and you lose it, you could really be screwed. So they then recommend yeah. you have two human keys. Well, and and like, <laughs> like with any, like with any kind of, of crypto token, if, if you lose it, it's gone and there is no way to recover that the, it's like every single site is like, uh, you know, we, we require you to have a very strong password, but if you lose it, there's a convenient button that says that you just need control of an email account and, or and a tax back, number, which, yeah, which is really nice and for convenience and because people are forgetful, but it's not secure. <laughs> um, no. You know, anybody who hacks your email address now has full access to do everything they want with every account you have ever connected to that email address. Get used to it and then use cryptographic login to get your email. Well, yeah. And if anybody gets a hold of your phone, that is the biggest thing at this point. Uh, yeah. Especially if you use a four digit. Uh, pin then if somebody gets your phone they'll get into it at some point it won't take that long and then everything on your phone if it doesn't have and i know it seems like such a pain in the ass when you have extra pin numbers or extra authentication built into the phone apps but i think my pin is nine digits long (laughs) you are you just go the extra mile and i also uh if if you care about security then don't use uh, don't use the biometric. Don't use the, you know, don't use the swipe and, uh, you know, the one where you hold the phone up to the light and just follow the fingerprint smear in order to know what your little swipe icon is. Um, don't use the fingerprint because they don't, it doesn't violate the Fourth Amendment according to the courts. Uh, right. They can force you, you to do it. Yeah. It, you don't have to say anything at all. All they really have to do is grab your thumb and yank and attach it to the phone against your will and your yeah it I, is. Know, I use i use a a pin a long pin to get in my phone every time and it does two things first of all it's particularly secure and secondly it discourages me from wanting to use the damn phone well and it's not that hard of a thing to remember i mean we used to with regularity remember seven digit phone numbers yeah or, or even 10 <laughs> yes so I, it, I, I don't know how many people do these days, but even as much as 10 years ago, everybody had a couple of 10 digit phone numbers memorized, you know, and if you take a 10 digit phone number that, you know, and you add one digit at the beginning and at the end, or you just throw a digit in somewhere in the middle, it's going to be very hard for other people to guess that. Yeah. Or you, you know, you change all the ones to exclamation point. No, wait, that that's a terrible, <laughs> that's elite that speak. work well. You don't want to do I, that. Um, not only is it that, but it's also the very first step after straight dictionary attack that any kind of password cracker tries to use. Woo. That is. is they'll, they'll run the dictionary attack and then they'll run the dictionary attack with ones, with, you know, with, with L's and I's turned into ones and O's turned into zeros. And I mean, I mean, that's, that's the first thing everybody thinks that that sort of thing, by the way, in case you're thinking of that works in your passwords. Um, coming up with a common word or something that means something to you and changing the eyes to ones um, that worked in 1993. <laughs> it hasn't since. I mean, it's amazing that people still try that kind of stuff, although there's still people that just do password one, two, three. So, I mean, you're still ahead of them. But the reality is you're better off coming out with a sentence again and then just add a number at the end or something like yeah. that, which. Is uh, I mean, it, 
if if nothing else in 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 terms of protection against brute force attacks or protection against any kind of of uh, brute force hacking um password length is still absolutely the most important thing that you can get which means that uh you know trying to memorize six or eight completely random characters is less secure than just typing out a sentence which by the way if if you are a touch typist if you uh, have spent any non-trivial amount of time in a computer you can type out a sentence a lot quicker than you can remember eight completely random characters oh yeah so there's there's that's the the human brain at work you can remember really complex things it's just you have to have it in a way that yeah. your brain can process makes sense it so makes sense. you want to talk about uh supreme well, u.s supreme court or an australian federal government proposal oh no the australian one is a little juicy i was to say it, there's not that's they both sound pretty dry but i mean the aussie one's okay. probably on the bar okay well okay if they're both dry how about a, a vulnerability in mac os mail Ooh, i like that okay uh there's CSB really not would much be here but, he uses that i'm sure um cve 2020-9922 uh in this by the way is already fixed in uh catalina 10 15 6 update although you have to update your mac which comes with other concerns um the Mac OS mail program has uh, a feature where if you are transmitting to another Mac OS user, um, it will add a header called X Mac. If, if you're transfer, transferring a file, um, then in order to save bandwidth, it will automatically encrypt the file. It'll zip the file up and it'll add uh, a header called X Mac auto archive. Uh, and then on the other end, if it's also Mac OS mail getting it, um, then the mail program will automatically, when, when the mail comes in without even you, it, it, I, I, I assume you have to have the program launched, but other than that, it just, when the mail comes in, it will automatically uncompress the attached zip file so that when you want to read the attachments, you can. And if you don't click on the attachments because you look at it and it's like virus.exe, right. then, um, you know, you don't click on it. You don't run it. That's, that's basic email security but the very fact that it's auto uncompressing this um it's uncompressing it into your temp directory uh and then uh linking back through your mailbox using sim links and that's where the attack is is that uh if you if a specially crafted email comes in with a particular type of zip file which contains uh, uh persistent sim links in the sim file or in the zip file um, then it will, you send a message and it will auto compress, uncompress the zip file into your temp directory. And because of the way it was crafted, it will not, the mail program will not clean up the sim links correctly. And the result is that you send another mail after that. And again, nobody has to open these messages. Um, and when that one uncompresses, it tries to uncompress into the temp directory but it encounters a sim link and causes the payload of the zip file to be uncompressed into the uh into the directory pointed to by the sim link which is going to be your email inbox and this allows you to overwrite other files in your email inbox or profile um in the proof of concept they managed to rewrite the mail rule list which means that you don't have control of the account anymore because all you really have to do is 
is add a rule that says forward every mail that comes into this other account and then delete. <laughs> yeah, you can I do mean, this in the background. I mean, this is a great way then just to forward yourself. And the beautiful thing is you don't have to touch an email address or an email message. It just the message comes in and it auto unzips. So as long as you can send two emails to that address, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, um, so people like with said, Mac should really be worried that all of their messages have been forwarded to a third party at this point. I, did, I mean, it's not just forward. They can uh, they can change any anything that you have the con- uh, ability to control. They can change with this because they can overwrite shit in your profile directory. Wow. Um, they can overwrite. They can go back into, you, you know, what um, wh- what they don't. I, I don't think that there's a way with this to be able to pull messages from your email history because there's no way. I, I don't see a way to have it send files out that are already there. But like I said, if you can rewrite rules, you can have all new mail come in. So you, you send somebody this message, you get them to auto forward all of their mail, and then you go ahead and go out to somebody's, uh, you know, go, go out to Facebook, go out to Twitter, go out to, uh, you know, if you know somebody's where someone's bank account is, their bank, and you click on what I told you about a few minutes ago, every single login everywhere right. has a little button that says, I forgot my password. And you click on all those. And every one of these sites sends you a fully legitimate email that says, okay, if you want a new password, click here. And with the new forwarding rules, now the attacker has the password recovery link for every one of your accounts. So and we should you expect, have not done anything, but see, leave your Mac, uh, Mac mail open. So I'm expecting another fappening to be happening in the near future. Well, the, the nice thing about it is that this, this uh, researcher, uh, Miko Kintala, um, disclosed it to Apple first and only put the blog post out. The one that I read, uh, after, Apple had already patched it. So the fix is if you use Mac OS mail, then make sure you've updated to the latest update in Catalina 10, 15, six. And there the vulnerability is patched, but, um, you know, we, 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 of course there's never any way of knowing if this has already been exploited in the wild. Uh, it, it doesn't seem likely because it wasn't published then, but who knows? Uh, and more importantly, if you don't update and you're still using Mac OS mail, then yeah, uh, if, if somebody knows that about you, then you can very easily lose everything. Well, yeah, this would be an easy way to lose with, with all of the stuff that's stored in the cloud. As we know, when, if we're, since we're talking about the Mac folks, most people that have a Mac also use iPhones and an iPad and they back up all their photos to the iCloud and all their files to the iCloud. And if you're able to do this, it would seem like it would be reasonably easy to get into their iCloud account, download all their photos and be gone within minutes. That's uh, it's intriguing. So, I mean, the concept yeah. that Apple is way more secure than Windows, not really true. It, 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 it's it's software. You, you were talking about, uh, you know, using YubiKey versus using an authenticator app. And, and you know, cryptographically, they're both doing roughly exactly the same thing. Um, they are receiving a challenge from someone who wants authentication and then using a, a cryptographically secure algorithm on the back end to generate a response, which can only have come from 
the person who set up the account. That's that's what the YubiKey does. That's what your authenticator app does in both cases. Um, the reason that the YubiKey is more secure is that the authenticator app is running on a device with a full operating system that runs a lot of other uncontrolled software that you may or may not have the ability to confirm whether or not it's been compromised, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on a phone, there could be someone listening to incoming packets, listening to outbound packets. Uh, you know, it, there, there's all kinds of ways to compromise a phone as a general purpose operating system. The YubiKey is, is one, one device that you does only one thing and you can't load apps on it. And that makes it more secure. Well, general purpose operating system. That's what a Mac is too. Well, it is. And the YubiKey, I was kind of poo pooed the idea for a long time. Like, what do you really need that for? But uh, in the climate today, I think you need it for everything that you can set it up on. Because unfortunately we've got Bill Gates trying to change the climate today. Well, of course, Bill Gates has to do something with his spare time. I mean, he's a busy guy. But I had a story. Now, I, let me see if you can guess what happened here, because we've talked a lot about piracy and a lot about the concept that the average the user. Reverend is, Horton Heat, all his NFTs were compromised. No, they could have been. You, asked, you asked me to guess. There's not enough. But I was going to ask you to guess what happened in this case, because we've talked about. The average person is more than willing to spend a reasonable amount of money to get the content that they want. And that's what has driven piracy down. The fact is people are lazy. And if for a reasonable price, they can get the content they want, then they will pay that. The office, believe it or not, the U.S. version is still the most streamed television show on the Internet. They were on Netflix. Up until December 31st, do you want to take a guess on what happened when the day they went from Netflix to uh, what do they go to Peacock or they went to one of those like the uh, Paramount? They switched. Uh, they're on Peacock now. What do you well, think my, happened to the my first guess is that they were suddenly not the most streamed show in the world. That's probably true. But also piracy went up by. At least fourfold on people downloading torrents of the office. No, immediately, too. I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Is it? I mean, who didn't see that coming? And, (laughs) you know, it's like this is the concept that this is the Joe Rogan concept that we talked about. And people poo pooed that as well. Like, no, people love Joe Rogan. It's free. They can go to Spotify and get an account. And the reality is, Uh, people are lazy. The the number of of uh, counterfeit Joe Rogan RSS feeds that I subscribe to went up immensely when they went to Spotify. I believe that, and uh, there's some are there still around. There, I guess, if you're doing it and not publicly, they, they, uh, I mean, some of them get shut down. Some of them get, uh, you know, even podcast index. They they keep trying to shut that down. CSB loves reporting it, but um, I find a new one pops up somewhere every month or two it wouldn't make sense and this makes perfect sense to me as well which is people are watching the show it's a long series which what did it last 10 years or so and a lot of people are halfway was this the british office or the american office the american office okay i mean the british office was only like steve carell one yeah the british one was good but it was only like 18 episodes or something over three seasons you know how they make the shows over in the uk they're they're very 
they make some good television, yeah. but the ser- the length is usually way shorter. They're like, um, hey, we got a brand new series of Sherlock coming out. It's four whole episodes. Woo. I, I I don't see a problem with that. The the reason I don't see a problem with that is uh, that at any given moment, there's at least, you know, any given minute of the day, there's at least three new TV shows coming out that are worth watching. And, you know, I'll, I'll scan. I'm like, I feel like watching something and I go out on Netflix and I'll, I'll dig through and it's like, huh, this looks like something I might watch. And then you look and it's like 14 episodes or 18 episodes. And I'm like 18 episodes. I, 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 I feel like watching something, but I don't feel like dedicating 18 hours to getting your entire plot. Couldn't you just make a two hour movie? No, because everything is now a series. I, I'm much happier if there's only four episodes. Like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to blow some time. I don't want to spend, I guess my problem is I'm not, uh, I'm not the standard person who plops down in front of a TV and stares at it for 24 seven. And and that might be their audience. You have to be, yeah, you have to be a little bit more selective. In well, maybe that's it. But there, I mean, the, twenty years ago, when uh, it, it you know, it was twenty five, thirty years ago, when people would sit down and plop down in front of a TV and watch twenty four seven, they all had to watch the same thing because at the there same were, time there were five. Well, yeah, at the same time too, but there were what five really good shows worth watching for any given person. You know, if that. And nowadays they're just so much content and, and too much content is not necessarily a bad thing, but if it's content I want to watch, I've really got to pick out and be like, well, that looks like something I'd really like to watch, but I'm not willing to spend my entire weekend sitting in front of the TV the whole time. Uh, these young whippersnappers today, they don't yeah, understand okay. what happens when there's two shows out and you want to watch at the same time. You yeah, well, when when I was super young, it's at the VCR to record one of them and then watch the other. Yeah, but oh, I mean, even the VCR. But that was complicated. Well, it wasn't as much complicated, but you could see the immediate loss in quality. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> even on the fastest uh, speed on VHS beta but, was but a little This was standard better. def. This was 320p television that was interlaced anyway. Yeah, but when you got to the All VHS. Right, sorry, 320i. And uh, VHS tape, I think, would maxed out before the the higher quality VHS. The normal VHS, I think, maxed out at 220 lines of resolution. So you were losing about a third of the resolution when you recorded onto videotape. And it was it was magical back then. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, VHS, the idea that you could time shift a movie was amazing. My dad used to go out and he we had a. yeah, back in the 80s and early 90s, we had an incredible library of almost any movie you want because my dad would buy VHS tapes and then uh, one or two things that happened. Either he record it straight off of, you know, we we had two VCRs and one of the VCRs you just plug directly into the antenna. And if something was on, you'd hit it to record and then you could watch it or or just let it record. And then we'd keep the tape of it. Uh, and then the other option was two VCRs. You put. Uh, you go out and rent a movie and you put the VHS for the movie you rented in one of them and the recording in the other one. Now, there were two problems with this. One was if you recorded off air, then permanently forever, as long as you want to watch that every time you rewatch that movie, you still get to fast forward through whatever same commercials happen to be playing at that time. Right. 
Which could be, I mean, that's probably the most enjoyable part of going back and finding gold uh, cassettes. Maybe, maybe that was a time capsule. But the other problem was that because uh, VHS tapes weren't cheap, my dad always uh, recorded them on the uh, the the most space-saving, lowest oh, quality one, yeah. which meant that uh, the quality was never good. But this was this was broadcast quality already, so maybe we didn't care. Well, I can but tell you, here, I just looked it up on, on Wikipedia. A decade later. On the fastest speed 250 lines of resolution the middle speed 230 and then even less so you're probably at like 200 on yeah the I SLP wouldn't be speed. <laughs> like i, I can, mean uh, what we had was blurry interlaced video that had a lot of static in it and also audio and because that was the way movies worked we didn't know that there was anything better we'd never heard of 4k yeah, that was a little but, ways down the line. These these cassettes that were great for recording concerts off the radio because they were great audio quality. They're way better than a yeah. cassette tape. Oh, the audio was good. They dedicated like a, a quarter of the tape to the audio. And that's where and, they and didn't compress genius. it. Right. <laughs> that is where it was good. That it's Here still- was the other problem with the VHS tapes. And that this was made even worse when you recorded on the, the long play or whatever it was. Um is that a decade later they were all disintegrating and if they played at all you just had a crappy staticky mess oh yeah yeah or the, when they started trying to make the cassettes longer and longer and longer and by making tapes longer that means you actually are making the tape thinner because it had to fit yeah in the case and yes quite often they would get gunked up and yeah the would. early tapes the ones that would only record like 90 minutes worth uh-huh they they're probably still good. They were made well back in the day. So people are now like, what are these these video cassettes they're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> people now are like, what the hell is a VHS? But now we can for? transfer a high def movie in seconds well, over this magical we, internet we thing. Could, we could fast forward a decade and talk about DVDs, and there'd still be people out there who are like, What? Well, they have what gone you, to the bar. What is this physical now. media shit? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is. I was talking to our buddy D.E. Metis of Fun Fact Friday, and he was like, I wish I had your music collection. I'm like, well, whatever you want. I mean, it could fall off the bit. And uh, he's like, well, no, I, I could probably just buy, you know, the hundreds of CDs I want because you could buy them for like a buck a piece and then just dump them again. And that is, I think, where we're at. With yeah, the yeah that, media. that's a time investment. Yes. Well, it is a time investment because ripping CDs. I've done it. I've ripped thousands of CDs and it was a long arduous process i mean i'm glad that i did it because now everything is available at the uh at, on the nas so anytime i want them but that's also why i'm like need to have backups because i don't want to do that again so this piracy story with the office is one that we've heard over and over and over again i think the only thing that i found to be interesting about it is that the, it wasn't a new show I, I mean they finished their run quite a few years ago if i recall yeah and it's um, still very popular but the last time that I heard this story, it was Game of Thrones. And the time before that, it was Breaking Bad. And, and Friends. You know, it, and, you know, Friends. Well, I mean, people weren't widely pirating Friends on the Internet because that was 92. But, no, but that well, Friends, it was when they were on Netflix. That's the story. Oh, came oh up. actually, that? That, yeah, that happened. And Netflix is like, well, yeah, we're not going to renew because it's too much money. And everybody at Netflix went, hey, come on, man. And then they're like, oh, we'll, we'll renew it for another year for whatever. How many millions of dollars it was to have the streaming rights. But this just shows, I mean, I'm guessing the nice people over at Peacock. I mean, I think you get this free if you take the Xfinity spy device, which is like a little Roku branded to them. 
I think you get yeah. Peacock for free. Although I don't know if they run ads or anything. I think they with are. That. I think they are severely hampered by the the number one problem, and that is that they chose the most unfortunate name for their their streaming service ever. Peacock. Yeah, it's just I I I understand that it's supposed to tie in with the the NBC mascot, which you know the the big NBC logo that everybody sees is supposed to be a a peacock bird with the the feathers the tail feathers all spread out and then stylized and turned into an icon. But just I mean that that is so third grade to to is where your mind go well at least where mine is because maybe I stopped maturing in third grade, but just it's. You really, you couldn't think through that and be like, how could people make fun of our network? You know, this again is the case of, did you really think that you'd be able to go, hey, we have the office and nobody else does. Come pay us 12 bucks a month. It's like, well, what do you have besides the office? I don't know. But we got the office. Because that works so well with Star Trek Discovery. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that was a different, uh, because they're rebranding too. That is people want to watch the office. Yeah, that's right. Right. And they're rebranding, too, though. The Paramount now is like Paramount rather than it was something else. So they realized it was CBS All Access, wasn't it? Yes. And they realized that sucked. And so they decided to go to Paramount Plus and all of these streaming services, which is exactly what we predicted would happen, was when there gets to be too many of them, people start going back to piracy. If there was a easy solution, if I could and I I have to cancel, I was going to ask my parents if they're still watching anything. Hulu. piracy is the easy solution yes but not for people like my parents uh they want it to be nice and easy you have to see if they're using hulu because hulu is another one of these i mean get them a bunch of assholes yeah i know and then just hook them up with everything we have on our nas and you could transfer it uh sure <laughs> we have the bandwidth so that's not a problem but hulu now that they're going all woke with this 1619 project and stuff and it's like they're owned by mainly disney anyway it's like i i'm starting to feel dirty giving any money to hulu where i would rather i mean it's sad and allegedly there's a website where i get a majority of my music which allegedly has their own uh, file service you know one of these things where you have to pay to have the ability to download things allegedly allegedly i'm much happier allegedly giving them money than i am any of these absolutely It, it it's i mean we've made this argument plenty of times on this show alone and and i've definitely shouted it from the rooftops before i had a microphone to talk into is if you if you make a even at a reasonable price if you make a service you know, why why were people not pirating the office left and right when it was on netflix well because netflix is providing uh, a, a service at a reasonable price that people want. And you know, you know, the convenience factor, lots of people already have Netflix. They seem to think that, that the monthly cost of Netflix is fine and what you get for Netflix is good. So what Netflix, things that are on Netflix don't tend to be pirated a lot for the simple reason that it, Netflix is more convenient than pirating. The moment you pull it off of Netflix and you move it off to some other network. And I don't know anything about this peacock network other than um i you know it, i i don't know it did, do they tie it into your cable subscription if so then the cost is great but now if you don't happen to live in a comcast area maybe you don't get it um it, what, what's the monthly cost i i don't know well to be uh, fair apparently to them, they want to give it to me for free for just having the internet so i believe it is free yeah. 
to anybody but, that has their internet. But if service. you're in a if you're in a, a Roadrunner area or an uh, you know AT and T area, or you you or you know you get your cable from someone other than Comcast, can you get it, or what do you pay for? Apparently, they have made it. In, there's enough friction involved with getting a Peacock subscription that a lot of people are turning to piracy and, and every single streaming service out there that's like, well, we've got exclusive rights to this content. No, you don't, you know, you can't compel people to watch shit by exclusive licensing rights because you're not competing against Netflix. You're not competing against Hulu. You are competing against privacy and you have to make your shit at a reasonable price. That is either, you know, that, you you have to make it so that people are not turned off by your service so much that they go out and pirate it. Yes. And Peacock that's what you're competing against. Has They're doing the, the Hulu model because they have Peacock Premium where they'll charge you $4.99 a month, but they're still going to show you ads. So it's like, screw you. Yeah. And it's 10 bucks uh, a month, $9.99 a month without one of the trolls is saying free to anyone who has Comcast five to $10 for a subscription without. You mean which, exactly what I just said? Yeah. Oh, I. I just I wasn't it listening up. to you. It's, it's right here. I was reading the troll room. I don't listen to you. Never listen to Bemlet. He's a shill. I, I wasn't going to mention who it was because he may or may not know anything about Comcast. <laughs> well, I would hope he knows something, but it's uh, too many of these services is the problem. Because are you really going to have Peacock yeah. and Paramount Plus and Hulu and Netflix and you know ESPN and, and Disney and Plus maybe that's- and Maybe that's the problem and maybe that's a problem that one company can't really solve, which is uh, $10 a month doesn't seem like all that much, but I, 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 I will pay $10 a month for someone with a library the size of Netflix. I will not pay $10 a month for one show. And I know that makes it really hard to get off the ground. And uh, and then, you know, the, the CBS all access, they should have paid me $10 a month to watch Discovery. <laughs> And to be fair, Peacock will give you a little break if you go yearly, forty nine ninety nine or ninety nine ninety nine. So yeah, so so it doesn't sound like the cost is a huge problem. I don't know, you know, I haven't tried to use it. I in theory, because uh, I have Comcast coming into my house, that means that I have access to it for free and still haven't been interested. So uh, maybe I need to try this, maybe just for science. Uh, yeah, but, on, the, um, on the image that they're showing on Peacock's website to try to sell you. The first thing they show is a picture of Jenna Fisher saying, we got the office. So they know that's their, yeah, their big draw. The, and the other, the other thing that, uh, again, going back to the convenience argument, uh, and, and you're never going to see on anybody's website where they're, they're ch- talking up the product is, you know, do I have to log in before every show? Uh, are there, are, you know, do, do I have to authenticate using my phone? So can I, you know, can I watch without my phone near me? Can do, do does your shit work on, uh, Firefox or only Chrome? There, there's a lot of details well, they want that you can, to have their box so they could track you. Okay. Do I have to have a custom box in order to watch this? There's a lot of details that can make this a, a lot less convenient and less usable. Um, and it being Comcast, you know, another really valid question is, are they inserting a bunch of advertisements? And I know a lot of people aren't interested in ads, but when you're competing against Netflix, they don't have ads. When you're competing against private or piracy, they don't have ads. So if you're putting ads in the product, you're going to have to add, bring that value back somewhere else or your shit's not worth it. Yeah. I want to know who the people are that are paying $49.99 to watch something like Peacock with the ads when for $99.99, this is for the year, 
you could get rid of ads. How much is your time worth to you if you're not willing to spend an extra what what's a hundred bucks over twelve or fifty bucks over and twelve I, months? You know, I, it's I, four bucks a month. If you if that if your time isn't worth a buck a week to not watch ads while you're watching whatever shows you're watching, you got a problem. And mine is, and you know, advertisement is is they are they are taking your time, your attention span, and in in exchange for watching the thing and they are the the average marketer the average advertiser is valuing my time a lot lower than mine is now the the amount that i value my time is significantly higher than any marketer is ever going to get an advertiser to pay for and that might be by design and you're going to say well that's not economically viable and that's not my problem um you are not paying me enough for the amount of time you're taking from me and that's why i don't watch ads I tell you what, I, I, theoretically, I have access to this Peacock service and I might check it out for science once. But if there are ads, then and I can't block them at the pie hole. I'm not fucking interested. I'll, I, I'll just pirate it. Our friend Sir Matthew in the troll room would like to know, are you reclaiming your time? No, actually, I'm wasting it in front of a <laughs> microphone, just shouting at my cat. You're not wasting it because people find this content to be worthy of their time. And worthy of their treasure because they send some and, in. And we refer to these people as experts. We do. If you haven't donated at all, you're a script kitty. I mean, that's the lowest of the low right there. You're a script kitty. Once you donate, you're an official expert of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. And once you reach the level of $1,000 or more in donations, you are a guru. We have one of those so far. Guru Walkman of Buckeye, if you see him out and about, bow down to the guru because he is a guy that uh, he knows things. He what? Well, yeah, he knows things. You don't want to cross yes. the guru. And he keeps shows like ours going and no agenda going. And he has fully grasped the concept of the value for value model and is dived headfirst in. He's going to be having some back surgery in the near future. So we need to send him like tons of health karma. Yeah. And so he's back on his feet and feeling. Good. I need to nothing. wish him luck because I might not be too far behind him. Well, stop sleeping in your car. Are yeah, you, that might you, be it. Are you experiencing homelessness when you sleep in your car? It was a, after a no, fight. No, I'm with experiencing the, the really long vet visits. Oh, yeah. How, how are the cats? Yeah, I know the one's not doing real well. The, the one is not doing well. He's getting twice weekly shots now. <sighs> I don't like shots. I don't pass I, out. I, with them I anymore, do, but, but only when they come in a small two ounce glass. <laughs> well, oh, wow. That's like a double shot, isn't it? Isn't it? What's an average shot? It's one ounce or is it an ounce? That, and a half? that is average for me. <laughs> two, two ounce shot. <laughs> hey, if you're going to be drinking with Bemrose, make sure you bring your A game. But we do have some experts to thank for today's show, including executive producer on this show, Sir Lee Mofo, coming in with double nickels on the dime. Speaking of people soon to be guru. Yeah, he has to be getting up into that area as does our buddy cold acid who came in on the last show of the uh what he's on that show encounter with abel kirby oh, actually we figured out yesterday I, I think I, it, it's it's the show that's on com where they live stream it was uh disabled kirby and warm base are the hosts <laughs> of that show and that's in the alternate universe you want to check that out certainly mofo sent a note said greetings grumpsters thanks for the tech talk i mean we've been trying to do more tech talk that is a, and we're apparently not very good at it. No, well, it crosses the lines every now and then. And there are some things you just want to to rant about and you just can't avoid because even things as 
seemingly non-tech as the George Floyd trial, if this was happening 20 years ago before the Internet was really a thing, it would be happening completely different because social media has changed the landscape. The way news is covered has all changed the landscape. So everything in some way, shape or form, if you really want to make the case, points back to tech. So that's why we'd cover it. But we thank Surly Mofo for being the executive producer on today's show and then coming in at the just associate producer level, which is still a credit you can use anywhere that credits are accepted. We have Sir Jackson coming in with 20 bucks as a note. Howdy from the non-border crisis state of Texas. I love the show. Stay grumpy. So non, there's not a border crisis going on, Sir Jackson. Are you not looking south? Are you not looking uh there's nothing going on. Well, down there. there there are parts of Texas where you're you're farther from the border than, you know, like Iowa is closer to the Canadian border than parts of Texas are to Mexico. So I'm just saying it's a big place. True. True. You just maybe he may have a bunker. Oh, well, you can drive 24 hours day and night and still be in Texas. It's, I always thought it'd be like, great. To it's buy like one Ontario. Of those. Yeah. Get it's one just of those places. Old nuclear silos. I want one. That would be perfect, wouldn't it? I mean, always be like 60 something degrees. It would be nice. As long as you can get Wi-Fi. That's that's kind of the most that simple. depends on uh, on how high I crank up the wood stove. That's true. like you get the, the really tall vertical column of air. You just put the wood stove at the bottom. Right. And just leave it running. Oh, that's that's a great idea. I mean, it might be putting some CO2 into your location, but, <laughs> you know, oh, it's just it, it it's just plant food. It's a good sleep. Um, coming it's in carbon at, pollution right coming in at 20 bucks via check our buddy radix 023 otherwise known as sir spud the mighty no note no request so thank you radix for your support of the grumpiest podcast in the universe then we have our bitcoin donation so here we went from paypal to a check to bitcoin from brett hall thank you for your courage 19 dollars 73 cents as we sit right now for the show bitcoin just keeps going up and up and up now i have a little thing on my stream deck as well because i bought some cardano i mentioned that a few times but now i can see exactly what it's worth just by looking down at the stream deck i like these little stupid gadgets that uh do things that you could do much just as easy in so many other different ways but it's the little tech gadgets that uh that just make me smile also coming in with a check at 10 bucks our buddy steve e and that's a monthly thing so we appreciate that Coming in via PayPal, Bernard Engelskircher, which I hope I'm not butchering that name like I probably am every time, but he's never corrected me. So Bernard uh, is on actually the plus very side, nice. you're consistent. You, yes. you butcher it the same way every time. Which so is, I, so it might be right. He, he's never he's never. And, came and, out. and if it's wrong, it's at least definitively wrong. Yes. And then coming in over on Patreon, since this this is the first show of April, we have Brian Janek which I'm finally getting that right, thanks to his tutelage on how to say his name, 10 bucks. And the next one on your list, you'll notice I did a like a B10M thing for you because I wanted yeah. I wanted to uh, <laughs> I wanted to uh, tell you this one and get your reaction live of this name because this is our dame that also went by Airport Pooper and Oh yes. Kabong. Well, the, the dame of many names. The dame of many names. Her current Patreon name is Bemrose's Bidet Fund. 
So I, I don't know what else she subscribed to, but if there's anybody else doing these things where you thank your subscribers and you see Bemrose's bidet fund somewhere, I just want to see that somewhere totally random, like on I, Tom Merritt's show. I approve. Yeah, that would be great on Tom Merritt's show. We'd like to I, thank I don't want a bidet so much. <laughs> Bemrose's bidet fund. Be like, what the hell is that all about? I mean, my, um, my asshole wants a bidet so much. <laughs> well, I mean, you could get a hose and uh, just point it. Well, I I could just get a put a longer hose on the shower head too, but it would I, there's cleanup involved. Ah, uh, yeah. You never know what you'll hear talked about on the donation segment part of the show, which is why or any other part of the show. Oh, well, that's true. And also coming in at five dollars on Patreon, Stephen McConnell, Dennis Woods, Manny Shevitz, and Brew City Mike comes in at two bucks, and we appreciate every donation no matter how big no matter how small i mean it always seems great when the super huge donations come in but the reality is it's the small stuff when it comes in with regularity that keeps shows going and you listening to the show hell yeah keeps it going keep keep us up around minimum wage gotta keep right you gotta stay above minimum wage and then you have to turn more people onto the show and review it wherever finer podcasts are distributed and turn more people on so they're like hey this sounds like a good show Maybe I'll listen. I have no idea what grumpy old Ben's is all about. I mean, it doesn't exactly scream this week in tech where you know exactly what they're talking about or the daily tech show or something with tech in the title. I mean, this started out. Yeah, I mean, really, like everybody who starts their first podcast, we probably chose the wrong name, but it's us. I mean, we've already admitted that this was just a joke gone poorly. Yes, (laughs) it's a joke that started two years ago, and I haven't figured out like uh sir seat sitter doesn't know how, not to sure how, to, how to close the punchline right sir seat sitter does not close his show i'm really bad at closing this joke it's like oh i guess i have to do another show with him because i i still don't know how to i still don't know how to do the big reveal but if you want to and, and and if i can keep you off balance long enough then you know we can keep doing this if you want to be a big part of the scam go to grumpy Click the donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation on PayPal. Use the QR code or Bitcoin address if you want to do Bitcoin. Use the stale mail address if you want to go that route. They're all very much appreciated, as is the time for you listening to the show, because as we've talked about, that is the biggest deal, getting people to listen and having that attention. People, A lot of people are just streaming the office, I guess. So we appreciate your listening to us. And Rather a lot of people are streaming grumpy old Ben's in the office. See, that's not a bad idea. You can see. I, 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 he, he swears he never does this, but I, I caught Abel Kirby listening live the other day. How? Uh, Did you go to his office? It's just surprise. No, no. Everyone's working remotely and that includes hackers. Oh, okay. So you're watching Abel Kirby very closely and literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Abel, can you move the camera just a little to the left? Thank you. Yes, that would be nice. The sun's coming in through the office window. It's a beautiful thing spying on your listeners while they're listening to the show. <laughs> that's, you know, they, that's, that's the way that the, the real Twitch streamers do it is, uh, you know, everybody's watching them live. It seems only fair to turn it around. True. I saw a, uh, one of the guys on, I'm sure he's elsewhere. I'm sure it's Twitch and YouTube and all this that likes to scam the scammers. And I can't believe that the scammers are dumb enough. Well, I guess, right. I can. Yeah, I was going to say, now that I say that out loud, that sounds stupid, but they use TeamViewer to try to mess with your system. And once they oh, connect geez. via TeamViewer, 
he's doing stuff to their system without them knowing it. And uh, uh, it was just I like it already. Yeah, it's genius. And it was he's just keeping the guy on the line while he goes through and deleted everything in his documents folder. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. But that was one of the few things I've seen recently do, on YouTube. Do, I found do them a service. Remove all the malware by deleting the Windows folder. <laughs> well, you're right. You could do that, too. But uh, I thought that was great when then the guy realized when the scammer realized that all of his files had been deleted and then started <laughs> apologizing. The, guy, the guy's like, you know, he was doing like a southern woman's voice, too, through a vo- voice changer, too, which was kind of funny. And he's like, you were trying to steal money from an old lady and you're you should be ashamed of yourself. And the guy's like, oh, I am, ma'am. I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't. I mean, I uh, won't do it again, ma'am. And it was just like, can I have my files back? And Hollywood wonders why they can't compete anymore. Yeah, true. Because they don't With have entertainment like this. They don't have this sense of humor. Well, this is it. You, you words. The I covered it on random thoughts this week, but the audio site Gear Sluts were changing to Gear Space to be more inclusive. It's like screw you. I mean, <laughs> well, that's, I, but so then so that they don't run across the bitch to boss extension. I guess I just didn't understand that because I know a lot of women, and there's probably a lot of you know trans that are like I'm a shoe slut. It's like okay, what's wrong with that? If it's self proclaimed, this is the whole concept of that name. We're Gear Sluts. Proudly, I want all the microphones. I want all the audio interfaces. I want all the everything. So I would not have a problem using that terminology. The fact that you're like, well, we would like to make it more professional. This site's been around for 18 years. And now you want to make it more professional. The only thing I'm getting out of this is you'd like me to call you a slut more often. Sure. That's part of the game, I guess. We're grumpy old sluts here on the no (laughs) agenda stream. Actually, somebody else could probably use that title. I, I have one more tech story, but there's not much to it. So I'd like to finish off with that. What do you have? Do you have one more story you want to pull out or, or should we look at the time and go, maybe we should cut it off. <laughs> well, cut, cut one off. I know you're talking about trans stuff, but that's completely out of line. Well, we're right about the two hour mark. So if you got one more, that's good. I, I got one more old until it's, Monday. It's from it's uh, this, this came out yesterday from the W3C, the World Wide web consortium. Um, uh, they are introducing a new tag into the HTML standard, uh, and it's not actually a new tag. It's an old tag. They are uh, talking about bringing back the blink tag. And, <laughs> Why? Um, but but this time, because uh, the, the web has moved on and everything, you know, HTML is not good enough. They need uh, to make sure that it has JavaScript controls. So they're they're bringing it back with real features, uh, including uh, personalization semantics, which uh, is is a characteristic where you you set your browser personalization preferences and uh, your browser can automatically change the color, uh, the rate of blink. Um, there is support for animated GIFs. Uh, as a blink cursor, um, the the tag is fully emoji enabled. Um, you know, one of the things they say is people prefer different types of blinking depending on their cultural and societal background. Uh, Web page can support audio alternatives to blinking. So when the, uh, for example, when the page is obscured or the user is looking elsewhere, then it can uh, automatically play audio to get your attention instead of just blinking. Um, and, uh, it includes extensions for AI enabled blinking. And these are good things. 
Well, this is this is the new feed. You know, Google controls most of the W3C these days. So in general, whatever comes out of that probably came from the Chrome team and the people at Google. Um, it, the idea is that uh, webmasters have noticed that uh, a lot of people are, are browsing a little bit distracted and not giving everything on the website the attention that it deserves. So this is just a method for uh, a, a website developer to make sure to direct your attention to the things that are important on the page. I was going to say, how many people that actually surf these kind of sites really want the site to be like, Oh, Oh, over here, over here, over here. I want your intent over here. You are hopelessly naive thinking that anything about browsing (laughs) is about the user. I know Harry hamster told me I, I wasn't grumpy enough to do this show. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, uh, so look forward to websites. Uh, by the way, the, the big place that this wasn't a part of the, the press release that came out yesterday, but, um, uh, what I see this being a huge boon to is online advertising, who has been kind of in a slump because Google has started, you know, ad blockers and, uh, you know, Google is controlling the market and they push mostly, uh, the text ads, the AdSense stuff. Um, the online, uh, advertising industry is kind of needed a boost because people are not paying enough attention to the ads. So this is, uh, kind of a way that you can take your ads and, and without, you know, you, you don't even have to use the JavaScript support because just with the regular straight blink, then it, it would even get through to browsers like mine, which don't use JavaScript. And the result is that you can get your attention focused where on, you know, on the ads where your attention is supposed to be focused rather than on the content where the user might want it because screw the user. Nobody likes them. Well, the beauty is you can always just add an extra app to filter out whatever tags you don't like. And, and I probably will. <laughs> You'll write it yourself. <laughs> if i have to because that's the only <laughs> one you trust but it's it, it is interesting as somebody that has worked on websites from about the beginning of normal folks using the world wide web it has been interesting to see the progression from static html pages to using things like the css standard where you can change the look of a site in a a different file and you can have different formats for different types of screens and all of that. And it's made things in one way, a whole lot easier, but it's also really screwed up. Some of the things that have, it drives people nuts when you can't figure out why the element you're looking at isn't doing what you think it should do because you you screwed up the rule. It's not as easy as just doing one thing and, and having it work, but the, the phones, Everybody's using phones, so I don't even understand why half of this stuff. I mean, with advertising, I understand why advertising is going down. It's because nobody wants to see ads. I mean, okay, if there are some people I'm sure that love ads and they're sick and we, we should wonder what's wrong with them. We talked about the ad problem with YouTube, which is they're serving the ads from YouTube. So it's really hard to block those. Uh, from a lot of places i don't know why it works and in yet browsers. the number of people the number of people working on things like extensions and and filter lists uh is still enough that i don't get youtube ads yeah well i don't get because it works in browsers so i don't know can somebody explain that one to me why if it's in a browser and i use the pie hole and i use whatever ad blocker word you know is, is popular for the day and i go to a youtube video in my browser, whether it's Chrome or Firefox, whatever, 
it will take care of the ads. But if I go to my Roku and I mean, I guess it's because you I mean, do you have a browser on the Roku that you can install an ad blocker into? I'd probably I could do that. I guess that's the problem. I'm using the YouTube app in the Roku. So even oh, well, even though I'm controlling the DNS and it's going through the pie hole, it's still getting the ads. So it's it's not just controlling the DNS. One of the things that, the you know, the, the function of the ad blocker with advantage that uses the DNS list, uh, you know, it, it's using just the pie hole will block domains that you know when when you got a page from grumpyolbens.com and it links to uh you know adballs.com and you could block adballs.com at your pie hole in fact right. even if that's not a domain you probably should block it just for personal safety <laughs> probably um and and then any requests like you know when it's trying to load and render the page it will send a request out get a dns error and then continue loading the page that's how browsers work that's how everything works uh, but in the case where the ads are coming from their own domain or where they're more integrated, where the page doesn't work without the ad, what you need is something to rewrite the HTML and, uh, an ad blocker like uBlock origin uses the list to rewrite the HTML so that the request never even goes out. Well, how does it know but, it's the ad though? And not the video you want to watch in the browser, uh, filter lists in, in the case of uMatrix or uBlock origin, it's generally pre-configured filter lists. Or, or you've said, okay, I like, I want this, this element and not this one on previous page loads. And it remembers that. Nice. Um, it, it, I mean, you know, I don't think ad blockers have quite managed to implement some kind of AI, although that would be kind of cool to have an AI looking at the screen before and being like, that's an ad, that's an ad, that's an ad, and that's content. Go ahead and render it this way. I Which will watch everything. I want that. Uh, but you need something to rewrite. Yeah. If, if the, it can't be, filtered out with just the club of, of block this domain and allow this domain, then I pretty much all ad blockers work on, uh, rewrite the HTML as it comes through. Now in a YouTube app on a Roku, chances are they're not going to give you the source code to the app so that you can modify the app to rewrite the HTML. So what you can do at the router level, at the pie hole level, whatever, um, and, and this probably takes some setting up is execute a man in the middle attack to rewrite the page as it comes through, you know, back in the day when, when we used to do the, you know, I, I, I go modify the router so that when somebody requested the university page, then it would put an extra line at the bottom or something. I might've done that. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 I, I, I imagine I'm just think, thinking out loud and speculating, but the technology does exist to do this, but with SSL, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to unpackage the SSL and repackage it. The same kind of thing that ISPs do these days. Won't you please know. think of the advertisers? Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's all I got there. Um, apparently, the the new, according to the press release, came out yesterday. The new standard is is going to be new ways for HTML to get your attention. I'm not excited. I'm nope. more. I'm more concerned than anything else but that's not anything new and uh the the only good thing about this uh is that um you should think about yesterday's date april fools but is it well <laughs> i think the press release probably was <laughs> does it no it seems like it's I just, real i just wanted to bring it to see if we'd react to it no it, it sounds real to me 
it it sounds plausible and that's what makes it scary and also kind of awesome you're like bring that blink tag back i i know there are people out there who i mean there there is a the uh, amongst the people who want your attention online, there is the real problem of both technologies that allow you to tune out. And also people are just so used to various things online that they don't see them anymore. Like a lot of ads. So there's certainly the desire for this. I don't, I don't, if it does come back, I don't think it'll be in the form of the, an AI enabled blink tag, but it would definitely be something that you would not immediately recognize as the same thing that they had in 1992. Um, you know, rehashed, it would instead be something completely new and far more obnoxious. And since you brought that story to the show, I would like to end with a quote from a tweet by Larry Blydner from yesterday, April 1st, which said, quote, people who find April Fool's gags funny are fucking morons. I, I identified, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'll go with it. We're gonna you know what? April Fools, April Fools, I think April Fools peaked in about 2008. Well, it used to be a lot more fun before everybody hated everything. Well, <laughs> it used to be a lot more fun before the internet. Yes. The, I, the, that one was, I mean, it wasn't particularly sophisticated, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I treated April Fools back in the day like a religious holiday. In fact, it was the most the most sacred of all religious holidays because I enjoy fucking with people. And it was the one day that you can get away with that and be least likely to get punched for it. And I, I think that the internet increased the reach of it. And for a period of about 10 years, uh, the level of sophistication of these things got better and better and better. Uh, One of the best ones that I ever pulled off, I was running a PHPBB site uh, for a number of web comics and these were independent web comics. And for the most part, the thing that got somebody to come to our site was they need, we, we provided a forum. It wasn't intended for web comics, but it was a forum that we provided for comics that had jumped ship off of one of the big web comic conglomerates and wanted to be independent. And we provided forums so that people could chat. So there were a lot of people there who really hated the, big conglomerate groups so for april fools we went out and and with permission we borrowed the phpbb theme for keen spot which was one of the biggest webcomic conglomerates at the time and one of the places that everybody on our network had wanted to get the hell away from when they came over <laughs> so you began and we them. took we took the phpbb theme from their forum and rethemed and put up an announcement in the top of the announcements on our forum saying that we we got absorbed by keenspot and will be uh are proud to be part of the fold and part of the family and the number of people who freaked the holy fuck out over that one was amazing and delicious and like i said it, being able to do that to people back then was pretty good I think after about 2008, it just got to be too much for most people. Well, it did. And it became harder and harder to have anything that had humor to it that somebody wasn't going to take in the wrong way. And when you post something to the Internet, you know, I don't want to see April Fool's jokes from CNN, Fox News and anybody that's pretending to be journalists. I don't want to see that now. It's different. Arguably, the ones, the one that the one organization that managed to kill April Fools online was Google. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they warned everybody that. So if you want to, if you want to play April Fools jokes, pick a different day in April. 
It's a much better way to go. You people, mean like the second? Yes. People won't see it coming. And then they'll just be annoyed with you for doing whatever it is you did. So I, I'm I, I still appreciate a good April Fool's joke. The problem is that uh, it's overdone. It's oversaturated. People expect it on that day. It's everywhere. Once you've opened up your browser for the first time on the day and somebody is like, you know, look at this completely stupid thing. Haha, April Fool's. And then you're like, okay, now you're expecting April Fool's the rest of the day. And there are a lot of people out there who do not have a sense of humor. And I I don't like to count Larry in this, so I won't, but I'm just going to leave the insinuation (laughs) in place. Um, There are a lot of people out there who just don't have a sense of humor and wish that the whole thing. And, and my recommendation for every single person who hates April Fool's online is don't log into the internet on that day. You get 364 other days of the year. Let those of us who have no sense of propriety and cackle at our own shadow have one day out of the year and just leave us alone. Don't forget it. I, I, I don't have any sympathy for the people like, oh, hey, I hate April Fool's because the Internet's unusable. Well, hello. The Internet's unusable all the damn time, <laughs> but at least it's entertaining on that one day. Deal with it. You see, Harry Hamster, this is why I don't have to be grumpy. Because you bring enough grump for everybody. Here's the beauty of our show. We will be back on Monday to do another award-winning show. And then on April 8th, it appears, instead of April 9th, Thursday instead of Friday, doing a live show a little bit later than normal with the great John C. Dvorak, who I can't wait to ask about you fact-checking him on No Agenda Social. I want to see if uh, he likes that or not. And then Larry will be on. On the 12th, and I'll see, uh, I'll play your quote about him not having a sense of humor and see what he thinks about that. So this, I did not say Larry didn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to, I get deep fakes, editing. I can, I can. Make, oh, I see how it is. I, I see. That's how yeah, it right works. there. You're going to be like, you're going to just cut out. It's like, Larry doesn't have a sense of humor. Right. That's exactly <laughs> it. You take the, I never said Larry doesn't have a sense of humor. It's like, well, technically you did now. I just <laughs> selectively edit. That but could be the cold opener right the there. Beautiful too. part. The best part about this and the reason that the Internet is so awesome is that no matter how much proof you have, I can still deny it. Right. Because now you can say deep fake, deep fake, deep fake. And then Beetlejuice shows up. And nobody wants that. The Internet will be back on Monday, folks. Thanks to everybody in the troll room for hanging out with us. We greatly appreciate it. We enjoy being fact checked live in the troll room. No agenda stream dot com Mondays and Fridays normally at noon Eastern. We'll be back on Monday. Show up and we'll probably be wrong about something. You never know. Never happen. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I may not be in the best of shape, but I've never been injured taking a nap. And from America's left coast, where April makes me grumpy. I'm Ryan Bemrose.